Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I'm the co-host of the show, but these days it kind of just seems like I'm the host because Charles Chuck Thompson is still not here. He is back from his European vacation, and he is now in the free state of Florida, hanging out there. And from what I hear, he's going to be back in Nashville tomorrow night. He will be here, and he has even spoken of being here for Thursday's show. Now, I honestly, I do not expect him to be here for Thursday's show because I had to take a travel relaxation rest day when I just came back from my vacation and he's been gone for like two weeks at this point. So I would say a, a day of rest is warranted, I'm sure. We'll see. We'll see what he needs to do. Okay, the big news today. By the way, I'm hanging out with the Fed Haters Club. JoinGML.com. You can pay as little as six bucks a month. I keep forgetting to raise the price on that. So jump in while I still keep forgetting to raise the price. Maybe if I can raise the price up to a high enough amount that we can pay someone that can remind me to do these sorts of things or that they can do it themselves as well. But anyway, go to joingmail.com and hang out with us on our private Discord channel every day of the week when we want to. The main news that everyone is talking about today, of course, is this Durham report. We already heard some of the things that are in this report. In fact, we heard a lot of the things in this report. This is a re- this is an investigation into the investigation into the investigation. And what we found is there shouldn't have been an investigation, basically, that the FBI should not have looked further into this thing. This this investigate this crossfire hurricane investigation should have just not happened. They did not have the evidence to do it. But of course they did. It is in fact the case that Trump seems to have been vindicated or exonerated on everything that they talked about for like four years. People have been saying three years, it's closer to four, really, and it's still taking place right now. They st- People will still say that Trump was working with Russia, that he is a Putin plant. Still, to this day, even though we've had multiple investigations and reports and millions of dollars thrown into looking into this and they have found no evidence of any collusion whatsoever. I will show you some tweets and some clips uh, later on. People just still want to die on this hill. This has become a part of their brain and they can't let it go. And so we'll we'll play a little bit of that if we have time. Uh, first off, I think the first clip that I have here is actually from uh, CNN. And we'll play... Yeah, Nick Tapper, we'll play that. Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped, and it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is, regardless, devastating to the FBI, and to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. Okay, that's actually coming from CNN. But, of course, CNN is the new MAGA channel right now, of course, with that uh, town hall event that they did. So you can't believe that. I will play this uh, this synopsis of what they found. It's a 48-second clip that RNC Research posted out. We'll be going over a lot of these things, uh, but I'll I'll play this so we get a rough idea of what we're going to be talking about. After nearly four years of investigation, Special Counsel John Durham found the FBI lacked actual evidence to investigate then-candidate Donald Trump's campaign in 2016. Durham said the Bureau was too reliant on investigative leads provided or funded by Trump's political opponents. The report did not reveal major new findings, but it repeated prior criticism from Trump. There was no collusion at all. The FBI expanded its original probe known as Crossfire Hurricane based partly on information from Christopher Steele. Steele, a former British spy, put together a research dossier alleging possible misconduct between then-candidate Trump and Russia. Durham found investigators did not and could not corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in the Steele reporting. All right, so there's part of it. There's a rough rough synopsis of the very beginning of this report. Now, if you can remember, we've been just inundated with Russia, Russia, Russia this whole time. All these bombshell, these bombshell reports and bombshell evidence, it just continually 
conditioning people's brains, especially on the left, that Trump was some kind of a Putin plant, and that Russia actually won the 2016 election on behalf of Trump, and of Trump was doing something to help Russia. I don't exactly know what it was. They didn't. They did invade Ukraine while Trump was president. Trump was out there railing against the Nord Stream pipeline while he was president. I don't really know what he was doing to help Russia during this time. There is this clip going around of Adam Schiff. That's the crazy eyes, Adam Schiff out there. And he was talking about how they've got they've got evidence and not just not just speculation. They've they've got evidence uh, that proves this collusion. The Russians offered help, which we know they did. The campaign accepted help, which we know they did. Uh, the Russians then delivered help, which we know they did. There is circumstantial evidence of collusion. The case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence now, so. You've said on more than one occasion that you've seen ample evidence of the Trump campaign's Russia collusion. Last March, you said you had more than circumstantial evidence of treasonous collusion with Russia. I've certainly certainly said that there's ample evidence of collusion. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy. But we do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. Um, reviewing the evidence that I have, and then we have Nancy Pelosi. And then we'll actually get into the Durham report. I just want everyone's minds to be fresh on what we've been hearing. And I'm not even playing your typical media montage that's got just Rachel Maddow going Russia, Russia, Russia over and over again. We've all heard all of those things. You know exactly what it would sound like. Uh, this week, we saw cold, hard evidence of the Trump campaign, indeed the Trump family, eagerly intending to collude possibly with Russia a hostile foreign power to influence American elections. In the month, again, as we celebrate the courage of our founders, Republicans in Congress have become enablers of the Trump-Russia assault on our democracy. After these latest revelations, it's becoming clear we have suffered a desecration of our democracy not seen since Watergate. Speaker Ryan must allow a vote on an outside independent commission to get to the bottom of the Trump campaign's role in Russia's assault on our democracy and prevent Putin from ever doing it again immediately. Outside independent commission. It's not just about what happened in the past. It's to prevent it from happening again. Very serious, serious stuff. Now, I have this thing that I wrote up that... And talks about how important this story actually is. I think before we go through that, we're actually going to talk about what this report found. So let me jump to some of these uh, screenshots. CNN talking about this. Spe Special counsel John Durham finds that the FBI should not have launched an investigation into Donald Trump's campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. Let's get into some of the details. This is a 300-page report and I'll be 100% honest with you, I read maybe 40 pages of it last night and this morning. I at least read the executive summary, I can tell you that. All right. Okay, Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence Peter Strzok opened a crossfire hurricane investigation. That's what they call it. It's a pretty cool name. I'm not knocking them for the name. I think they did a good job on it. After receiving... Unevaluated info from Australia, a meeting where George Papadopoulos, an unpaid foreign policy advisor to Trump, reportedly made comments concerning a collaboration with Russia. Indeed, based on the evidence gathered in multiple exhaustive and costly federal investigations on these matters, including the instant investigation, neither U.S. law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. All they had was this meeting, allegedly, that they heard about with George Papadopoulos. That's all they had. And then they just jump right in. He goes on to say the speed and the manner in which the FBI opened and investigated Crossfire Hurricane during the presidential election season based on raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence also reflected a noticeable departure from how it approached prior matters 
involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. These examples are also markedly different from the FBI's actions with respect to other highly significant intelligence it received from a trusted foreign source, pointing to a Clinton campaign to vilify Trump by tying him to Vladimir Putin so as to divert attention from her own concerns relating to her use of a private email server. Once again, they had highly significant intelligence that it received from a trusted source that said that there was a Clinton campaign plan to draw up this whole thing. Now, they didn't go towards that when they went towards what was inside of this alleged Clinton campaign plan. They essentially just went along with that. Unlike the FBI's opening of a full investigation of unknown members of the Trump campaign based on raw, uncorroborated information in this separate matter involving a purported Clinton campaign plan, the FBI never opened any type of inquiry, issued any taskings, employed any analytical personnel, or produced any analytical products in connection with the information. It kind of seems like they were working for Clinton. I don't want to, want to make that accusation. I know that that's a wild and crazy accusation that the intelligence community, that the DOJ, any of these people would be working for one specific side of the aisle at any point in time. Sometimes I'm just saying it, it feels that way. And I know the facts don't care about my feelings. I'm just saying it, it feels like that sometimes. This lack of action was despite the fact. Now, this is a pretty big one, I think. Despite the fact that the significance of the Clinton plan intelligence was such as to have prompted the director of the CIA to brief the president, Obama, the vice president, Biden, the attorney general, the director of the FBI, and other senior government officials about its content within days of its receipt. It was also of enough importance for the CIA to send a formal written referral memorandum to Director Comey, and the Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI Counterintelligence Division, Peter Strzok, for their consideration and action. So this was so important. Said, hey, we think the Clinton cam campaign might be doing this. That they actually, the, the CIA actually briefed the pre Obama, Biden, the AG, the Director of the FBI, all these people, and it was just totally ignored. And they were like, uh, yeah, we know. Of course that's going on. Similarly, the initial effort directed at... Now, this is when they get into some of these specific people. You have to excuse me. There's a lot of things going on right here. But consider the implications that we already knew about some of this. The implications that the current administration was actually involved in this. The Obama administration was actually involved in this whole thing. And that they knew that Clinton was going to try and tie Trump to Vladimir Putin. And everything's fine. Obama didn't have any scandals. We got a whole list of scandals for Trump, but I bet you I've been thinking lately they're not going to have any scandals listed out for Biden after he's gone either. You guys know those memes that go around that say that there were no scandals under Obama and all these scandals under Trump. It'll be the same thing for Biden, too. We'll be seeing the exact same thing. Within days after opening Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI opened full investigations on four members of the Trump campaign team, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and Michael Flynn. No defensive briefing was provided to Trump or anyone in the campaign concerning the information received from Australia that suggested there might be some type of collusion either prior to or after these investigations were opened. Instead, the FBI began working on requests for the use of FISA authorities against Page and Papadopoulos. So they talk about these efforts to prove this collusion, collusion to actually show that this was happening. They don't get anything out of Papadopoulos. And they say, similarly, the initial effort directed at Page was unsuccessful until the Crossfire Hurricane investigators first obtained what were designated as company intelligence reports generated by Christopher Steele. You've heard that name before, heard Christopher Steele, heard the Steele dossier. The Steele reports were first provided to the FBI in early July 2016, but for unexplained reasons, only made their way to the Crossfire Hurricane investigators in mid-September. 
The reports were ostensibly assembled based on information provided to Steele and his company by a primary sub-source, who the FBI eventually determined in 2016, December of 2016, was Igor Danchenko. Our investigation determined that the Crossfire Hurricane investigators did not and could not corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in the Steele reporting, nor was Steele able to produce corroboration for any of the reported allegations, even after being offered $1 million or more by the FBI for corroboration. Couldn't even do it then. Further, when interviewed by the FBI in 2017, January 2017, Danchenko was unable to corroborate any of the substantive allegations in the reports. Rather, Danchenko characterized the information he provided to Steele as rumor and speculation and the product of casual conversation. And how did we actually get the Steele dossier? Plenty of people have talked about this. The Steele dossier basically came from the Clinton campaign. We already knew this. In the spring of 2016, Perkins Coy, a U.S.-based international law firm acting as counsel to the Clinton campaign, retained Fusion GPS, a U.S.-based investigative firm, to conduct opposition research on Trump and his associates. In mid-May 2016, Glenn Sinsen, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS met with Steele in the UK and subsequently retained Steele and his firm Orbis Business Intelligence to investigate Trump's ties to Russia. Now, when you look at Igor Danchenko, and this is the person who they say provided up to 80% of the intel and half of the analysis that was in the Steele dossier. Okay, so some, some of these things are important. We're, we're not going to go through line by line this whole thing. I just want to give a good outline of what happened, and then we'll talk about what all of this means afterwards. So when it comes to Igor Danchenko, as noted, the FBI attempted over time to investigate and analyze the Steele reports, but ultimately was not able to confirm or corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in these reports. In the context of these efforts, the FBI learned that Steele relied primarily on a U.S.-based Russian national, Igor Danchenko, to collect information that ultimately formed the core allegations. In December of 2016, the FBI identified Danchenko as Steele's primary subsource. Danchenko agreed to meet with the FBI, and under protection of immunity, he and his attorney met with Crossfire Hurricane investigators. And as part of its efforts to determine the truth or falsity of specific information, the FBI conducted multiple interviews regarding information. During these interviews, Danchenko was unable to provide any corroborating evidence. We all know all of that. There's another interesting part here where I think some of the, the corruption, you could, you could be nice to them and just say that they have blinders on, but I think there was actually, of course, some, some corruption going on here. Significant parts of what Danchenko told the FBI were inconsistent with what Steele told the FBI. At no time, however, was the FISC informed of these inconsistencies. That's the uh, that's basically the Foreign Intelligence uh, Surveillance Court, I think. It has to do with FISA. This is the, the court. Moreover, notwithstanding the repeated assertions in the page FISA applications that Steele's primary subsource was based in Russia, Danchenko actually lived in Washington, D.C. So they were told for these FISA warrants that this Danchenko guy, this source for the Steele dossier, was actually living in Russia. This helped them get the FISA warrants. And then they actually find out, well, no, this guy actually lives in Washington, D.C. Okay, After learning that Danchenko continued to live in the Washington area and had not left except for foreign travel, the FBI never corrected this assertion in the FISA renewal applications. Rather, beginning in March 2017, the FBI engaged Danchenko as a CHS, which is a uh, confidential human source, I think is what that stands for. After they found this out, the FBI engaged Danchenko as a confidential human source and began making regular financial payments to him for information, none of which ever corroborated Steele's reporting. I don't know. I find some of this stuff to be uh, maybe some slight corruption going on. And then you get this other weird relationship. Danchenko has a, the relationship with Charles Dolan during this time period. 
Danchenko maintained a relationship with Charles Dolan, a Virginia-based public relations professional who had previously held multiple positions and roles in the Democratic National Committee and the Democrat and the Democrat Party. In his role as a PR professional, Dolan focused much of his career interacting with people like uh, Eurasian clients with a particular focus on Russia. As a scribe, Dolan previously conducted business with Russia, they name a bunch of Russian people, and was in contact, yeah, maintained a relationship with those people and was in contact with Danchenko the time that he was collecting information for Steele. In fact, Danchenko later says that some of the information, for instance, the P-tapes, the story about Trump having prostitutes pee on him, which everyone says is just insane. That absolutely ridiculous. I don't think that that's a ridiculous thing to think Trump would do. Okay. Now they just, they don't have any information to back this up because the story was essentially made up by Dolan and told to Danchenko. Dolan is someone who was actually working doing PR for the DNC. I don't think it's crazy because I don't see Trump ever wanting people to do something like that. Come on. We're really going to give him the benefit of the doubt on having people pee on him. I don't think so. Here's an interesting post. I'm glad that people were digging up from Hillary Clinton, of course, from the time that this was going on. I cut off the date. I don't know why I cut off the date, but it was in 2017. This is when this whole thing was going on. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. So we have Hillary Clinton posting this out on Twitter. We have a statement from Jake Sullivan, a new report exposing Trump's secret line of communication to Russia. And then there's this crazy story about Trump's connection to Russia and the secret Russian bank. And then inside of this report, we have the Alpha Bank allegations. The office investigated the actions of Perkins Coy attorney Michael Sussman and others in connection with Sussman's provision of data and white papers to FBI General Counsel. James Baker, I said James Baker like that because James Baker was later working for Twitter and was one of the ones pushing the Russian disinformation narrative so hard that they ended up censoring the New York Post story. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Counsel James Baker reporting the show that there existed a covert communications channel between the Trump organization and a Russia-based bank called Alpha Bank. As set forth in this following section, in doing so, he represented to Baker by text message and in person that he was acting on his own and was not representing any client or company and providing the information to the FBI. The investigation showed that, in point of fact, these representations to Baker were false and that Sussman was representing the Clinton campaign as evidenced by, among other things, his law firm's billing records and internal communications. In addition, Sussman was representing a second client, a technology executive named Rodney Joff or Joffy. And they say, here's how we know they were doing that. Uh, so this Alpha Bank allegation came from Sussman, who was representing the Clinton campaign. And it's just amazing the gall that people have, like Hillary Clinton, not that she was out there posting things, but they truly live these lies, even when they're things that they have come up with. And Clinton, of course herself or the people in her campaign know that they were trying to drum up this story with Trump and Russia, and they just live it. And that's actually how you can get away with doing the exact thing that you're accusing the other person of doing. You jump first with these allegations, and anything that you say, well, that's just you being defensive afterwards. It's a pretty typical argument tactic. This is a way that these narcissists win is they make the allegation the thing that they are actually doing, and then when you try to refute it, you're just being defensive. And they gaslight you afterwards. This, you know, we read a couple days ago, uh, Nina Turner posted about um, Penny, the guy that choked out the dude on the subway, Neely on the subway, said that this was a privilege to just stand there and know that nothing bad was going to happen to you. No, he probably just thought that he was right in the law and didn't know that the guy was dead either at that time. Maybe he wasn't dead at that time. Not talking about that right now. This is privilege. 
what Hillary Clinton was doing and what people on the left, what Adam Schiff was out there doing, what Nancy Pelosi was. Adam Schiff was out there saying that they didn't just have, you know, some kind of speculative evidence. Okay. They, they didn't just have circumstantial evidence that they had evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia. He said that they had it, that he was aware of it. You're saying none of these investigations ever found that? No, it never existed. He was just out there lying the whole time. Clinton's out there breaking this story about Trump's secret line of communication to Russia that actually came from Clinton's campaign. Who, who's going who's gonna to pay for this? You know, who's actually going to suffer some consequences for their actions? I guess some people got fired. But this is bigger than just people needing to get fired. You know, here's what the FBI had to say. They posted this out on Twitter yesterday. The conduct in 2016 and 2017 that special counsel Durham examined was the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions which have now been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. Those tragic, tragic missteps could have been prevented. You see, because they have to actually have procedures in place that say, when you've got literally no evidence of something, and you know that the people that are providing you with this intelligence are documented liars. In fact, uh, I don't want to say the wrong person, but it was Danchenko where it was, it was someone else that we talked about earlier that was actually trying to sell uh, classified information. I can't remember who exactly it was uh, that had been in, in trouble previously for, the, for that. Then that guy ends up on the FBI payroll and can never corroborate any of his story at all. It's probably just so they could get him signed an NDA where he couldn't talk to anyone about it. Just speculation on that. These missteps, that's what it was. They just didn't know. They didn't have the proper procedures in place to make sure that this didn't happen. Those poor FBI agents, they were following things by the book. And the book just hadn't been written properly before because we'd never encountered this situation. But now we've changed the procedures and those procedures, you know, we, we would have never known this to put in there that you actually need to have some type of evidence before you spy on uh, the campaign of someone running for president of the United States. But now, luckily, we've got some procedures in place for this, folks. We don't have to worry about this anymore. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you to think about this. Really think about the answer to this question. In the past week, how much time did you spend on yourself, on things that you needed and wanted, versus the amount of time you spent on other people? and what they wanted, and what they needed. It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? Not that it's wrong to, to want to help people. We should want to help people. But therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched thin and burned out. My life was changed because I chose to go to therapy and our co-host Charlie has been a BetterHelp customer for years and he loves it. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a few questions on the website. You get matched with a licensed therapist and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com gml today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. As I said, there's some people who just can't let this go. Like Joe Walsh. You guys know Joe Walsh, not the not that one. Not the one from the Eagles. I'll say my disclaimer for Joe Walsh once again. We've made fun of him a ton of times. I did interview him at a conference one time last year. Charlie and I did. Dude was hilarious. He was super nice. And what I actually learned from interviewing him was that he truly believes the crazy shit that he says. Like, it's real to him. It's not an act. He's actually just a crazy human being. And it made me hate him less. Actually, I don't hate him really at all. We had a good time joking about him uh, playing guitar for the Eagles. You know, it was fun. He was a funny guy. He truly believes these things. Anyway, Joe Walsh says one more time. 
it wasn't a hoax. Russia did interfere in the 2016 election to try to help elect Trump. The Trump campaign did welcome and encourage the interference. There was collusion. Don Jr. took that meeting. Manafort gave the Russians campaign secrets. The Trump campaign had an unusual number of Russian connections. Mueller couldn't prove a conspiracy. So that, he's just talking out of his ass there. And he says, well, there's this investigation we spent $30 million on it and they couldn't prove anything, but I'm just going to say that there was. Number four, Trump did obstruct the, the, the Mueller investigation repeatedly. I hate, the, I hate those obstruction charges when someone's investigating you for something that you didn't do and you're not cooperative with them, and then they can say that you're, you're guilty of obstructing an investigation, which is a BS investigation in the first place, that's one of those gotcha things that the government does. If you didn't do anything, and then you find, and then you obstruct an investigation, and they find that you didn't do anything in this investigation, still, after they complete it, then there should be no obstruction. All right, that was just right. And by the way, number five, he says, and by the way, our FBI was right to launch an investigation, even though this massive investigation said that they shouldn't. The DOJ agreed. Guys, the FBI agreed that the FBI was right to do this, okay? The Senate Republicans agreed. Now, they investigated Russia trying to interfere with their social media tactics. Even Durham today said the FBI had cause to open a preliminary investigation. He, yeah. Yeah, he said that. And then they should have done that investigation and saw clearly that there was nothing to investigate. Number six, he says, did the FBI make mistakes? Sure, but their intentions were noble to protect this country. It's weird that, that to protect this country, they keep having to help a specific political side. Isn't that weird? Because... I bet they also had to protect this country when it came to the 2020 elections and the Hunter Biden laptop and all the other things that they've done to protect this country. It's weird that to protect this country, it always comes down to protecting one specific side of the political aisle. I'm not, I'm not making allegations here. All right, I'm just talking out loud right now. By the way, this article from Vox says a new study says Russian trolls didn't sway the 2016 election. Was the threat overhyped? This is from January of 2023 after the study came out. We talked about it a little bit when this came out. The Russian trolls were overhyped. That's the implication from a new study in Nature Communications written by a team of six academics who tried to assess whether the Russian government's Twitter propaganda effort during the 2016 campaign actually changed users' minds. They said, we find no evidence of a meaningful relationship between exposure to the Russian foreign influence campaign and changes in attitudes, polarization, or voting behavior. That is because they found that 70% of all of the Russian information went to only 1% of the voters who were already politically polarized towards Trump in the first place. Uh, the person from Vox says, that's no surprise to me, long believed uh, that, there, that the troll farms had little impact. Now they talk about two different ways that Russia interfered in the election. And this other one is the one that Joe Walsh was trying to tie it into. Says first, there was a social media propaganda effort. The trolls on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Russians pose as Americans and post the content designed to inflame U.S. political tensions, often attacking Hillary Clinton and supporting Donald Trump. This happened and it was rather unusual, but as this new study corroborates, there's no convincing reason to believe it made any difference in Americans' voting behavior. Second, and more consequentially, there were the stolen emails, the Russian hack and leak information. Uh, information that they got from the uh, the Democratic National Committee, I believe, and some other prominent Democrats. Now, WikiLeaks, I believe they said that Russia didn't have anything to do with this. I, I'm not clear on that part. Let's assume that it was Russia intelligence, Russian intelligence officers that hacked and obtained emails and documents from many top Democrats and put those out publicly. This... I have a hard time calling this interference. And this is what a lot of people are leaning on. A lot of people on the left that have to have this Russian interference narrative in their head because they've built their identities on this thing. This is what they end up leaning towards, that there was the hack and leak operation. Is that really interference, though? I get 
let's just say that they did it. Okay, we'll say we'll say it was actually Russia that did it. They released truthful information. There's the part with the interference that I have an issue with. Can you really call it election interference when truthful information that it turns out was fairly important to people gets released and then they see that information? Like you're really going to demonize the people who found this and released it to people instead of accepting the blame for what you did wrong that the information uncovered. Let me see. Website DC leaks posted hack. I'm reading from the Vox article just offhand right now, posting hack material there and providing some to reporters, but two specific batches were saved for WikiLeaks a nonprofit that posted the U S government material in the past. In late July 2016, just before the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, WikiLeaks posted thousands of DNC emails and revealed that many DNC members privately spoke of Bernie Sanders with disdain. The revelations drove DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz and other top staffers to resign and overall made an ugly start for the Democratic Convention. Uh, then they start posting John Podesta's emails. Um... I think the thing with Bernie Sanders is a thing that, that stuck with a lot of people. And this is, was just truthful information. This is not Russian disinformation. If anything, they did people a service. So I don't like calling that Russian interference in the election. One thing that I would call interference in an election is when truthful information is put out there. And then the intelligence community comes together and 51 of them sign on to this letter saying that this is likely Russian disinformation and it was actually something that was true and many of them knew it was true. That's a problem to me. That's actually interfering in an election. So why is all of this so freaking important? We've been, we've been doing this show now for like five years or so the Russia narrative took up a, a decent part of it for the first couple of years. I found some videos from 2018 that we put out uh, talking about this thing. So I mean, since 2016, since that election season, we've been inundated with this narrative that this was the, that Trump was the end of our democracy. That's the narrative. That narrative is built on a false premise, by the way, that the U.S. is a democracy. And I know that that's an annoying thing that people say. And we're, we are a republic, but that, that part does actually matter. Because when you convince a lot of people that the U.S. is a democracy uh, in the way that they mean democracy, like majoritarian vote, 50.1% rules everything, and that that's the right thing to do. When you actually convince people that that's the way things are supposed to be, then you can make these posts like we talked about uh, late last week. Oh, this isn't democracy. What they're doing, what the court's doing, or what the states are, this isn't a democracy. Yeah, no shit. It's not supposed to be a democracy. That's why that actually matters to say, well, this isn't supposed to be a democracy. It's a republic. Because they then use that and they say, well, these people are subverting our country and our institutions and taking away our democracy. And they're talking about this fake thing that doesn't exist. Anyway, that was just a side note for you. Before the 2016 election, we were told that Trump was colluding with the Russian government. I remember this. You guys all remember that. In an effort to steal the election, the election was stolen. Following the election, the Democrats pushed their own stolen election narrative, and they want you to forget this. But I will never forget this, and I know you guys are not going to either, but a lot of people want you to. They will still push this, that Russia stole the election on behalf of Trump or Trump was working with Russia in, a, in an effort to steal the election from Hillary Clinton. This is an actual thing that they did. Hillary Clinton went on the news several times, went on several shows, calling Trump an illegitimate president, and that he knew what he did. He knows that he was illegitimate, that she didn't have a fair shot because of the government working against her making herself the victim, spending a stolen election narrative. For the almost the whole time that Trump was the president, we, the people, were told that Trump was a illegitimate. He was a Putin plant. He was a Russian operative. The media loved that. They totally went with it. 
jumped right on board. I didn't I didn't play any of the montages today. I had a hard time finding them, and they always put these stupid all this stupid music behind it. And I just it drives me nuts. So the the report shows that this is the crazy thing. The report shows that the the Clinton campaign, the Hillary Clinton, the person that was the victim out there calling Trump an illegitimate president because Russia helped get him elected, that the Clinton campaign was out there spinning up this narrative that Putin was trying to help Trump get elected. That they knew it was fake. That they were just trying to vilify Trump and tie him to Vladimir Putin. They knew it was fake. The people in the intelligence community were notified it was fake. The current president at the time was notified that the Clinton campaign was trying to do this. We didn't know this at the time. The media just freaking ran with it. The FBI went along with it. Maybe some of them wanted to do the right thing. I don't know. So that this idea that Russian disinformation, this is important to remember, Russian disinformation and Trump collusion swayed the 2016 election has been drilled into the minds of a lot of people on the left. This is, like I was saying, this is like part of their identity. This Russian disinformation, Trump collusion, Trump is working with Russia, Trump, Vladimir Putin, you connect those things together. Even our, our country's institutions, I look at like the Supreme Court and the district courts, all that. How many times do you hear people say, or we've seen in the past, people say that the, this Supreme Court justice is illegitimate because the president that nominated them was illegitimate? Or that this law was illegitimate because the president that signed it was illegitimate? And they've used that to slowly chip away at the institutions in the U.S., based on a fake narrative. Our actual free speech has been under threat and partially removed at times, as we all know. We've all been through the bans on different platforms. Most of us have anyway. If you haven't, then you weren't doing the right thing. Sorry. Because of this misinformation and disinformation. That, that move to police disinformation, by the way, like the disinformation that led to the election of Trump, was then used against us during the COVID pandemic. So one question, because I want to I wanna talk about how big of a deal this actually is. If the American people had not been fed the idea that Russian disinformation actually led to the election of Trump, who was working for Putin the entire time, would we have been as ready as we were to police the COVID information and take away free speech then? Was the 2016 election the precursor for the intelligence community's entrance into the social media company's content moderation standards? That answer is yes. Weren't the CEOs of those companies dragged in front of Congress and threatened with action if they allowed something like the 2016 election to happen again? Isn't that why they were listening to the intelligence community so much starting in 2020 leading up to the next election? All based on a lie? What about the further question? Did the FBI and the Clinton campaign lies about Russian collusion prime the public for the COVID tyranny overall? I think this makes this a lot bigger. What about an even bigger question? Does tying Trump and Russia together and Trump and Putin together and our hatred for Trump in general in the U.S., did that change the way that we reacted to Russia invading Ukraine? And seeing Russia as this terrible evil, evil doer, which the uh, disclaimer, annoying disclaimer, I don't like that they invaded Ukraine, okay? Would that have changed all of the support and the billions of dollars that we gave and then all the, what happened with our economy and inflation as a result of this and the way that it changed all of our lives afterwards and this push towards the green energy and getting rid of the Russian oil and being really close to a freaking nuclear war based on the lie that Trump was working with Russia and stole the 2016 election? How different are things right now because of this lie? And then you have the 2020 election. Just before the 2020 election, the Hunter Biden laptop story broke. Here's a story about a vice president and then presidential candidate 
selling access to the power of the U.S. government or his son selling it on his behalf and giving 10% to the big guy. That story's been ignored by most people on the left. When it broke, they were told it was Russian disinformation, which is something that led to Trump being elected in the first place and that this thing in 2020, right before the election with the Hunter Biden laptop story, was just another attempt to steal the election again for Donald Trump. All based off of this lie. And then we found out that the Biden campaign actually solicited a letter signed by 51 intelligence community officials testifying that it was likely Russian disinformation. Once again, the intelligence community jumping on board, trying to help, in this case, the Democrat side. I'm not saying it's always been a Democrat side throughout history. That's, that's not the allegation I'm making. I think that they jump on the side of whoever will give them more power, essentially. So... The reason I wanted to talk about this today is that this is not just a story about Trump getting screwed over. Trump did get screwed over, okay? Maybe he was paying for all the sins in his past and all the terrible shit that he likely did throughout his life, okay? It's probably plenty of it. But dealing with this Russia thing throughout his whole presidency, which delegitimized so many things, and, I mean, just the constant barrage from the media all the time. Which probably kept him on edge all the time. Made him a little bit crazier than he already was. I don't know. He's just crazy. That's fine. This is not just about Trump getting screwed over. This is a actual story about how our country and our futures have been transformed in a very short amount of time based on lies, the story of the end of our democracy <clears throat> or the end of our republic that's been sold to so many people by people on the left has actually been perpetrated by people on the left and the people in the intelligence community. Which political party actually interfered in the 2016 election with the help of our own government? Which political party actually interfered in the 2020 election with the help of our own government. We know for sure that the Democrat candidate did on both sides. And I'm not saying this so you'll hate Democrats and vote for Republicans, by the way. Republicans suck too, for the most part. But it's just important that we know what the truth is. So the real, the real problem here that we got to figure out, that we got to get out of here, is what do we do about the intelligence community and this bureaucracy? the FBI and the CIA, the NSA, DHS, all these. Because those people, they exist separately from America. They're unelected bureaucrats. They don't exist within a democracy or a republic, either one of them. Who do they work for? They work for themselves and their own continued existence. As I said earlier, it's not just they support Democrats all the time. They support whoever is going to give them more power. And maybe for some of them, it's because they think that them having more power is actually best for the U.S. And then some of them are just people who want power. And then they just become power brokers and then they can kind of just control, manipulate whatever they want to do. They're even that we just talked yesterday. They create, they create terrorist plots. They create kidnapping plots. They infiltrate movements and make people more violent or violent at a time when they wouldn't have been. If they So if they do have any kind of ideology, the ideology is that they want more power. That's what their actual ideology is. I don't know what to do about these people. Because how do you defund or take power away from a group of people with like this, like the intelligence community, without getting JFK'd or trumped? In this case, Trump got trumped on this. How do you take power away from them? I actually want some ideas here in the, uh, in the group. Let me know what your quick idea is. What do you actually do about this? How do you take power away from these people? One idea I have is the fact that they use FISA in this. They use the, uh, the Patriot Act or whatever the new name of the freedom, whatever BS name the thing has now. Um, we need to reconsider this. 
I would just reconsider those powers that those people have. I would starve them of finances. That's for sure. But as a president, I mean, how obvious do you make that before they trump you or they JFK you? I don't know. I w- like, I want to abolish them. I do. Costco said abolish them. I just, I don't know if I'll make it to the signing of the documents, you know, if I were the president. I think if I were the president, I would have to hole up in the Oval Office for like a solid three months when I first become president and sign all those things without ever leaving. I'd be so paranoid, but I think for good reason. I would just hole up, wouldn't talk to anyone, except for a couple different people, bring in my staff, you know, bring in like Ron Paul. He's in there. I don't know who else is going to judge Knapp is going to be there for sure. And we're just going to write down all the, we're just going to sign all the stuff to, to abolish all these, all these things. And no one else that I don't know can come in the office until I'm done doing it. That's my, that's what I would do. Because if you go outside, it's over. I'm just saying. Or if you have any interactions with anyone, they're just going to say that you raped someone on the way to the bathroom. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So just, I'm saying you got to hole up in one room. If you're a guy, don't let any... Don't let any girls into the room, I'm sorry. Or at least not unattended. I don't know what to do about these people. It all has to do, to round this out, by the way, it all has to do with government power. It's all it is. Why would they do this in the first place? It all has to do with more power and more money. It all has to do with the government having as much power as they do. If they didn't have all this power, people wouldn't be working so hard to manipulate the voters, uh, to, to actually change the outcomes of these elections. The intelligence community has interfered in our elections now. So you guys tell me what else your your ideas are, if you got any. It's got to have something to do with decreasing power. Maybe that comes from starving them of funds. Funds. I think that's a good way of doing it. Anyway, and if you have any other ideas, uh, hit me up on Converso. There's a link in the show notes. And a good thing you're using Converso too, because no one's going to trace any of the communications when you're telling me about what you would do. 555-184-3042 on your Converso app. It's free. Go get it. Okay. Talk to me. Send me what your ideas are after you hear this episode. If you share this show with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. If you share it with your family, I would appreciate that. Don't ruin your family dynamic or anything over sharing this. Okay. It's not It's not quite worth that, I would say. But definitely just hit retweet or hit share on one of the other social media apps. Go to TikTok and hit like if you use your Chinese surveillance app uh, out there. Uh, We would would appreciate that. If you do all of those things, just those things, go to joingmail.com. Okay, so all of those things plus go to joingmail.com. That's it. If you do all those. If you also will leave us a rating and review, Okay, so so all the other things, sharing, and then and then join gmail.com, and then leave us a rating and review. That's it. That's all we need you to do, okay? If you do all of those things, you could also go to godhatesfeds.com and grab yourself a God Hates Feds t-shirt. You can get 10% off by using the promo code EPS, E-P-P-S, at checkout. So I need you to share the show with everyone and go to join gmail.com and... Uh, I need you to leave a rating and review, and I need you to go to godhatesfeds.com also. That's all I need, okay? That is all I need. If you do all of that, we'll be right back here tomorrow for what is hopefully a White Pill Wednesday episode. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.